0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes... Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing
1: brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now.
0: Go! Hello and welcome along to the Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker. It's the big man, big man partnership for us up top today in the shape of Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. Oh, Micah's doing punching. It's, it's quite early in the morning on a Monday morning for, for that kind of exercise, Micah. How
1: was your weekend? Uh, it was, to be honest, my weekend was boring, but I got to watch all the football. I've been filming of 1 all last week, so nice and relaxing for me. Yeah, what does filming Liga their own entail? I'm sure people will be interested. Okay, so basically we we arrive around one o'clock. We have different people coming into our, to our room. So we might have writers or we might have to do some social media. We look at the script. We have like a big guest on. So, for example, we've got, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but say we've got Gareth Bale. We've got Gareth Bale on and we will look... And go through the clips of his past to see if there's anything that we could talk about or bring up in the conversation. And then we normally kick off around about seven o'clock. But the thing is with League of the Ronies, I'm so used to be prim and proper in terms of working for the the BBC and not. Really, in terms of not swearing, in terms of not swearing, but. On League of Their Own, it's a free-for-all, so sometimes like, you get a little bit too carried away and swearing and being over the top, but then we go through different things, different tasks, and it's just a fun day. It's one of my favourite things to do. I absolutely love it. Do you
0: do record them all in like a week
1: or two weeks? And- so, yeah, we, we film Monday, Wednesday, Friday one week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday another week, Monday, Wednesday, Yeah, that's eight. And then we might have a bonus (laughs) one. We might have a bonus one, which is nine. So yeah, it's just amazing. I love it. You must have been struggling
2: for guests because they asked me on, a, on one of your shows last week. <laughs> we
1: couldn't afford you. What are you on about?
2: I said I'd rather pick the dog shit up in the garden.
0: <laughs> uh, s- speaking of which, we were together on on, on Saturday, um, Alan. Um, you yep. working against yesterday. Which game were you doing?
2: Yeah, it uh, wasn't the great games yesterday, was it? I no, did they weren't. Bournemouth, Chelsea, then I did Everton, <sighs> Arsenal. So... Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's been a busy weekend and then um, got back at about half midnight this morning and then here we are first thing again. So yeah, I've had a busy weekend.
0: Okay. Um, I want to start um, by looking back a little bit at the the weekend and and what we've seen. I'm going to start with um, a club that's, I mean, it's very early in the season, but they already appear in something of a crisis, not for the first time in recent years. Uh, And that's Manchester United, Uh, comfortably beaten, of course, uh, at Old Trafford by Brighton. Um, they've got so many issues, haven't they? Anthony, the Greenwood affair, um, Sancho's problems, Maguire. It's going to be a difficult period um, for Ten Hag, um, isn't it? I mean, they went into the season, didn't they? Kind of full of a bit more hope and a bit more encouragement following last season. But it's been a traumatic start to the season. Yeah, uh, it's, been,
2: uh, it's been really tough for them. Um, how many times they got praised last season, Manchester United? Getting to a cup final, winning the Carabao, getting to the FA Cup final, getting into the top four—the way he handled the Ronaldo situation when he when he went there—so all of those all of those things, and all of a sudden after five games, doesn't mean that he's a bad manager. I mean, he he was he was getting so much praise last season for what he did, for the attitude, everything else. Um, and then this season, I I'm a big believer, and I'm not saying it's all their fault because. It shouldn't really affect what goes on the pitch. But you know, in whatever level you're at, whatever happens at the very top of an organisation always drip feeds itself down onto the shop floor. And this is what is happening at Manchester United and will continue to happen until the very top sort themselves out whether that's selling the club or whatever it is. Is it for sale? Is it not for sale? Do they want to sell? Do they not want to sell? Does some of the family want to sell? etc., cetera, et cetera. So and, until that gets sorted out, then I, st- I think they'll suffer and continue to suffer.
1: I agree with everything Alan said. I think that he's been dealt a bad hand in terms of just wanting to get on with the football. But this is why we said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast with Sancho, he's creating his own problems. Why not keep that situation in-house? Every week or every couple of weeks is a story about Man United and stuff not really on the pitch. It's it's off the pitch. So, okay, okay. he wants to bring a culture where it's a, a good environment for the players to go and play their football and be the best they can be. So if there's any problems, keep them in-house. But I have to agree with Alan. On this particular occasion, I feel a little bit sorry for Ten Hag because he's trying his best, but he's having to deal with too much. He said, didn't he, that the club asked him to
0: try and change the culture, perhaps bring him discipline. Is that what the means by culture? Have you been in a situation, um, either of you, where you've been in a club where you felt that there was a bad culture?
2: Yeah, when I when I went into Newcastle as uh, as manager Gary, um, I was the fourth manager that season. So that te- that tells you straight away. Um, I mean, I can't remember too many football clubs having four managers in one season. Yeah, um, Watford might have done it. I'd imagine. Might have been, um, <laughs> yeah, so that tells you there's issues straight away. And and I, I remember the the Wednesday evening uh, or the Wednesday afternoon I was announced as the manager. So Wednesday evening, I um. I I, I rang around every single player and every member of staff said uh, at what time we had to be in the next morning. Staff had to be in at 9am and the players had to be in at 9.30. I had one member of staff late the next morning and and I had two players late and I'm thinking what the fuck I mean can you imagine any other business that you, you that you, you turn up late or you clock in late I mean it's just especially not, when you've
0: got a new boss a new
2: boss exactly yeah. it's just so I thought straight away there's, there's huge problems at, uh, at the football club and um, if you're a new manager I
0: know a- Ten Hag's not a new manager he's been there a little while now but for you for example in, in those circumstances you're the new in town, particularly someone who's never had any man- managerial mm. experience how do you deal with that, what did you did you have to go right? What do I do?
2: Yeah, well, I, I was thinking, right? Okay, here's my first test. Do I do I set a, a bar here, and do I try and find the players, or do I try and discipline, or do I just have a quiet word and don't create a scene on your on your very first day? Because because there was a culture there that it was probably all right for players to come in late and acceptable, and of course, you know, if that's the case, you're never going to be successful. What so, did you do? Well, I just had a quiet word with them. I didn't I didn't want to make it such a big issue. So I had a quiet word with a member of staff and I had a quiet word with the two players. So I thought, okay, well, that's it. That's it done. No word of a lie. One player, same player late the next morning on the Which Friday one? morning as Which well. Which one? I can't tell you. I don't think that would be right to do that. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> fucking hell, this is like unbelievable. Yeah. This is unbelievable. So then I tried to put a fine system in yeah. which i thought we, because if i if i don't do this then it's ju- this is just going to continue to happen so but to put a fine system in you've got to you've got to get it printed out on a piece of paper so what i tried to do is i tried to say okay the next the first time you're late i said everyone's cleaner so as of monday morning the first time you're late it's 10% of your wages the second time you're late, it's twenty percent of your wages, and the third time you're late, it's fifty percent of your wages. But you've got to get it printed out, put it on the um, on in the dressing room floor, let the players' committee look at it. <laughs> 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 Within two minutes of it hitting the dressing room floor, I had the players committee come and knock on my door saying, This is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> do you know do you know what I said? Go, go on. Just don't be fucking late then. <laughs> you're not in London, you're in Newcastle. I'm asking you to be in at half nine. The school traffic is gone. Just don't be late.
1: Yeah, but Alan, you know you're not allowed to find people ten percent
2: of the wages. You know. Just that, don't no? be fucking late, <laughs> then, Micah. <laughs> yeah, but, it's <laughs> pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, but, if I, my I, I, dad, when he was working in the factory, was late, he'd have been sacked.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, but it's you got can't. Point. Yeah, but Gary, you can't like ten
2: percent of your wages and then to twenty percent, then to percent, Micah, let me tell you, there was a fine list before I was already in there, right? There was a fine list of five quid, 10 quid, 20 quid. Players are on 60, 70, 80, 90 grand a week. What on earth is 10 quid going to do? <laughs> I, I've got to tell
0: people, um, Alan is very, very, uh, a real stickler for punctuality. <laughs> like,
2: um, give us your motto, Alan. To be early is to be on time. Be on time is to be late. And to be late is fucking unacceptable. <laughs>
0: He swears, have you noticed, Micah, that on a Monday morning when we do the recording, it's really early, that he swears a lot?
2: He's
1: like, he's like grumpy on a Monday morning.
2: I'm tired, lads. It's been a long weekend. Sorry. Uh, I no. apologise for my language, everyone. I mean, it's very interesting at Newcastle. Did,
0: did you actually find some middle ground in the end, um, Alan, or did it be, c- continue to be a problem and issue for you?
2: I couldn't put the fine system in. I wasn't allowed. The PFA wouldn't allow me. Um,
0: and, uh, did that put you in a weak position after the, you told um, them all um,
2: stuff? Not really, because the vast majority were, were very, very good professionals. Um, yeah. But when you've when you've got a culture of one or two, it's very difficult, and that's 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 what Ten Hag is facing at the moment, through no fault of his own, and some very serious off-field issues he's having to deal with. I mean, if you're a manager, and you get three of those situations that he's had to face already this season. I mean, if, he, if you get one situation like that, that, or that he's had to face in your career as a manager, then it's, it's tough, but he's having to deal with three or four already this season.
0: We were sat together, weren't we, on, on Saturday, Alan? And we were actually discussing, why is it always when you've got like a, a scandal or a crisis or an issue that doesn't involve the football aspect of the football club, why is it always the coach or the manager, whatever you want to call them? Yeah. is the person that has to go up and explain everything rather than perhaps the CEO or the owners? and
2: I, f- I find I find that bizarre really. you know you've got um, you've got a chairman, you've got an owner, um, you've got a chief executive, who whoever it is. the serious matters, then they should come out and explain. He should come out and, and explain what's going on, rather than the coach, who's who's in charge of all football related matters going on on a training ground, what's going on on a football pitch, why he's chosen to leave him out or not. He's playing. That's fine. You can discuss that as a manager, but um, other serious issues, I I think that should be left to the uh, to the hierarchy of the football club.
0: Micah, have you been involved in, in a club where it's you felt that there was a rotten culture atmosphere? Call it what you like.
1: Oh, yes. Aston Villa, the year we got relegated. I think you two created that culture, giving us stick every
2: single week on <laughs> match in a day. It's always someone else's fault, isn't it, Micah? Yeah, I'm
1: sure you must have been playing so well for <laughs> us to um, be a slightly critical of it.
2: Well,
1: yeah, we had um, Tim Sherwood the beginning of the season, everything's going well. We're losing games, but we're playing fantastic football. But it goes on and it goes on and we just couldn't get our, our form or we couldn't get the results that we wanted. So we then we bring in Remy Gard and half our team, we had about five or six French players and a couple Spanish and then the rest English. But then we brought in a French manager so one of the, the French players said, oh, now you're going to see what it's like. We've got our French manager. I'm thinking to myself, like, we're supposed to be a team and he's seeing that because we've got a French manager, now they're going to get treated better in, in his eyes. And then I remember the Remy Gard coming into the change room and said, yeah, we've seen all of the games. We're going to start from, from basics. So we went outside and did this basic, pathetic football drill where you, you had to pass 10 yards from each other for about 30 minutes just to get a control of the football. It was you like- that bad, way. That, that's what That's what he must have thought. It was like under eights football. So at that moment in the training session, we knew full well we was going down. We just knew it because if this is what he thinks is going to help us get results, God help us. He was on his guard from the start, was he? <laughs> <laughs> too early for the dad jokes, Gary. It is way
0: too early. Yeah. Absolutely right. How does Ten Hag um, go about it from here, though? I, know I kind of concur with Mike, is that sometimes it's a little bit, probably too much public, um, lets people know what's going on, makes his decisions publicly and stuff. Do you think the that's. Only,
2: the only thing I would say with that is, Gary, for him to come out, and we've said it before, for him to come out and Publicly say about Jaden Sancho. He must have been at his at his, at his, at his final call, is it a final chance? I mean, I don't know what's gone on, but I, you you hear different rumours about players being late and not turning up for training, missing a team bus. So that in itself, as we said, is unacceptable. How many times it's happened, we're not we're not quite sure. Um, but for him to come out and publicly say about Jean Sancho. There must have been several things that have gone on in the dressing room.
0: Uh, I mean, it, it is a shame. Maybe tomorrow morning, he, he'll listen to this podcast, Ten Hag, and put up a you know, big sign with loads of fines on it. 10% of your <laughs>
2: <laughs> What I tell you what, though, before we carry on, how brilliant were Brighton Yes, that was going to be
0: my next thing, actually, because it is unfair not to... T- I mean, yeah. we've talked about Brighton many times and what they're doing, but, I mean, it really is quite remarkable when you consider how many players have gone, how many players they've had to change, they've bring in, their recruitment's consistently,
2: um, staggeringly good I think uh, in, that, in I think ways. that team they put out at Old Trafford on Saturday was worth or cost around... 18 million. One eight I've, eighteen million. I've got here
0: sixteen point two million wow, wow. pounds. Oh my
2: god, that's ridiculous. When you when you, I mean, ugh. Oh, just absolutely staggering. Mm. What a, what a, what a football club. Um, and what a manager!
0: I was going to say Deserbi. I mean, they brought him in. I mean, they did Potter before that, didn't he? He did. He did really well. But and when Potter went, everyone thought, ooh, Brighton might struggle now." But it's actually been to the contrary. And um, Deserbi's coming, and he's played this
1: really brilliant to watch football, isn't it, Micah? Yeah, it's it's amazing that, like you said, I think when Potter left, we were thinking. What can he do? But he's actually enhanced them. But I like the most about him his interviews. I just think he's got so much confidence. Before the game, he said, okay, it's a difficult game, but we know what we can do. He had players missing, but he said they can fit into a system which allows us to play the football that we want. So when we're talking about Man United and they're missing a few players, what he's got is got a system. He's built something where no matter who he plays, wherever Welbeck, Welbeck was talked about being finished five years ago. He's scoring against his old club. Ferguson, who they've, who, who they've got as well, they're, um, they're bringing the, the new Brazilian boy, Joao Pedro. E- excellent signing and, and the sell at the right time as well. I just think what it's not just him. We've talked no. about the, the team that they have at Brighton. Brilliant. But the manager has the confidence to go and deliver as well. They're just excellent to watch. You've, really. got,
2: you've got two football clubs on Saturday who are just totally opposite. You've got an incredibly well-run football club, well-structured. Everything's in place in Brighton and it's all shown on the pitch. Then you've got an absolute shambles of a football club at the top, who the fans don't want there anymore. And they're never going to rest until they go. And that look at look at those two clubs on Saturday. One's up here and one's down there in terms of running a club or how to run a club. What's the limit
0: uh, for Brian? They couldn't couldn't conceivably do a Leicester, could they?
2: You're going to sit in your pants if they do. <laughs>
0: Am I going to shit in my pants? Is that what you just said? <laughs> <laughs> I will never be doing that again on Match of the Day, Alan. Rest assured, I will keep my silly mouth closed. Um, well, actually, I probably yeah, the, won't. Yeah,
2: the, but... the tits are a little bit bigger nowadays, aren't they? <laughs> that's, that's a bit harsh.
0: <laughs> but, but probably true. <laughs> Um, um, uh, Over the weekend, we had a few goals um, in injury time, didn't we? And um, um, uh, particularly, obviously, the the Tottenham game, Aston Villa as well, uh, of course. Very, very late goals. And when you've got games going for about 100 minutes, it's obviously there's more chance to score goals. And I'm quite enjoying that added aspect. I'm not sure the players, they'll probably get, you know, pretty exhausted by the end of that amount of
1: time. But it is good to watch, isn't it? I mean, you you guys were were doing the like, guy. I, I got to watch the Sunday games and it was awful. But in terms of the extra time, I think, I think it's interesting. I think it's exciting for a fan. But if if I was playing and there was hundred on, on minutes on the clock, you're just gonna get fatigued. So while it's new and exciting and it's fresh, I think it's great. But as a season goes on, and you're playing more minutes. Of course, you're going to concede more goals because you have to con- keep your concentration for for longer. But as a fan, as a neutral, I like it. I, I love to see more goals. It's it's what it's supposed to be about now.
2: I thought it was interesting to listen to um, Paul Heckenbottom after their game. I mean, you can obviously angry Spurs, Sheffield United um, because of the way Spurs came back. Uh, but, and his excuse... Oh, well, he's not his excuse. His reasoning, I should say, it was... Um, was the the referees are now dictating to the players, how or the goalkeeper, how they play. Because he was saying, well, Tottenham are pressing us. So all of a sudden we have to think and change our mind of how we do it if we're not going to be able to. It doesn't take you that long to suss out that Tottenham are pressing you. Therefore, you cannot then play out from the back. It's pretty simple. If they're pressing you, you either take the risk and pass to someone or you kick it long doesn't take you that long to, uh, to to work it out. So they, I mean, they they were the, one of the teams that have been punished over the weekend with uh, with late goals. So we're going to see more of it because they're pretty adamant that um, they're going to they're clamping down on time wasting, aren't they?
0: It makes for good drama, though. I was watching the the Sheffield United Tottenham game in particular on on Saturday, um, obviously amongst others, but. Um, It was a fantastic comeback. I was actually pretty relieved because on Friday, um, I went to the Tottenham training ground and um, interviewed Ange Oh, And and the interview, which I didn't know at the time when I I said I'd go and do it, it was for the BBC, um, was not going to be used yesterday or Saturday. Um, It was going to be used next week as a kind of precursor to the North London derby. I didn't know at the time. So then I'm sitting watching the game and it looked like Sheffield United were going to win. And I thought, there's no way they can put that that interview out now because it's (laughs) gone from being massively positive and everything that we talked about Without mentioning the fact they just lost at home to, to Sheffield United, one of the newly promoted clubs. So, I mean, I jumped out of my chair after, I would, anyway, because obviously I've, I've got an affinity towards Tottenham Hotspur. But I jumped out of my chair when they equalised. I thought, well, that's that saved the interview. And then they won it, actually made it even, even better.
1: How was he? How was he, Gary? Can I ask you? He was great. He was charming. Everyone seems to He's love charming. him. Do you know what his first words were, Micah? Uh, good day, mate
0: yes and then there was a bit more he went good day mate loving the podcast
1: he didn't say that he did he did are you winding us up no no
0: honestly say that and um, Ange if you're listening if you're listening which I'm I'm sure you are um, well done on Saturday for saving our interview
2: yeah and also well, well done for selling Harry Kane thanks <laughs>
0: Good point, Alan. Good point. Um, Richarlison. I think he was. Um, I mean, it was it was brilliant to see him because he's obviously it's it's well publicised now that he's he, he came out and told people about he's had mental health issues that he's had a tough time. He was seen, I think, crying on the bench, wasn't he, for Brazil? Things caught up with him a bit. Um, he's he's. I think he's he's found a little bit of help um, and. Um, as we know Al, as, as strikers you get those bad patches don't you that that, that I mean he hadn't scored at home mm. in the league in yeah. the Premier League for, for Tottenham and then he came on and made all the difference. it was
2: it was a lovely story. Don't be surprised if you see a different player now in that Tottenham shirt. Um, we were saying about responsibility, now their, their main man has gone in, Harry, play, other players have got to step up. Well, people were looking to him to to step up as well, and not getting in the team regular, uh, not scoring, as you said. So coming on on Saturday for, well, it was, he came in on the, on the 80th minute, but then he got 20 minutes. So to score a goal, to set up the, uh, the winner, will do his confidence, the world of good. So you're probably gonna see a different person and a different player going forward. Because you're absolutely right. You know that if you can't score, it drags on, it gets to you, you can't sleep at night. But now that one goal, it could just free them all up. And don't be surprised if you see a few more now.
0: We've both been in, you go through patches where things don't go for you. Mm. Um, it's mad how one goal can turn things around. I mean, I I can think of you, Alan, in what, well, was 96, wasn't yep. it? You'd gone quite a long time with England without scoring goals. A lot of people all saying, oh, I shouldn't yep. be in the team. I had, I had a couple of similar things, I think, before... In Mexico, I'd gone five or six games without a goal for England and, and Bobby Robson stuck with you. Then you get one and then everything everything changes, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: it's mad. It, it, is, it is crazy how it works. What you need uh, is the support of your manager there, yeah, don't you? Yeah, massive. Uh, massive, absolutely. I mean, I hadn't scored for England for two years. Two years. God, you're
0: useless. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden, Euro 96 comes. I get the backing of the brilliant Terry Venables. And I've told the story about, about him um, saying to me before we went on the trip pre 96. He said to me, pulled me to one side, Alan, whatever happens in these two or three games leading up to 96, you will be my number one centre forward. You will start for me in that first game against Switzerland. And you know, I thought, wow, for him to have that much belief in me, I cannot let this guy down first game Switzerland score end up top scorer and I couldn't score for two years and how do you how do you work that out so it is just it is just crazy the mentality of a goal scorer and footballers you get that little bit of joy and then all of a sudden things are all bright and rosy again
0: yeah I did um when I talked about going into 86 rather than 96 86 is um, in Mexico and I'd gone for about four games for the World Cup without scoring I um, broke my wrist in the the friendly against Canada just before it and then I went there played the first two games didn't score I thought I was going to be left out absolutely categorically sure that I'd be left out Um, but no he left Mark Hakely out instead he brought in Peter Beardsley Um, I scored in I don't know 15 minutes of the opening game whatever it was um, and then suddenly, bang bang, you get a hat trick,
1: and and the world's a better place, and everything changes. It's it's. But can I just ask you, as as strikers, what you know when you're in that place where there's a little bit of uncertainty? How how do you get your head right? Because it obviously takes some strikers a long time. Some people get a bit of a look, and then some people never recover.
2: Mm. It's difficult, um, you know. Well, form
1: is fickle, class is permanent. Yeah. <laughs>
2: you've got to have, I think you've got to be so mentally strong. Even more so nowadays because of the noise that's around in social media. I mean, it, it, it's understandable if you say, "Well, don't read it," but it's there; it's in front of you. You're turning on your television every day. You're listening to getting in a car, listening to to your radio or whatever it is. There's always something. You, it's very difficult nowadays to actually get away and switch off without. It's people- podcast
0: they're listening to, Alan. it's, <laughs> yeah, it's <exactly>. the <laughs> Football, but it's interesting about mental health issues as well because obviously we're talking about Richarlison, and you never know when a player dips in form if they've got
2: issues outside of the football world. Oh, that's right. Because after all, footballers are still human beings. They still mm. have the same problems. They might be on a lot more money than um, the public, but they're still human beings and still have issues, every issues that every household has.
0: Not just footballers either. It can be a coach or a manager. I played for um, Luis Aragonés, who was actually the coach that led um, the national team of Spain to... Um, their European Championship success that in that he was won that first trophy in that team that went on to win pretty much everything. And we were playing a game away from home. Um, Venables had managed us the first season and then got sacked after about four games of the, the second season that I was at Barcelona. And Luis Aragonés came in and he was lovely, like, great personality. But we played a game towards the end of the season. I can't remember if it was at lead, I think it was. It might have been Zaragoza. It was one of the two. And um, before the start of the game, about an hour and a quarter before kickoff, he was, you know, he had the, the big clipboard up and he was he was drawing out the formation of the team. Um, and he, he did the back four and then he started to do the midfield and with a big marker pen and the big line on the Board, he started to slip and tried dry, drying down and then suddenly he's crying he's sobbing um the doctors came in um and took him out of the dressing room and we were left you know we were gobs so what what is going on he had a nervous breakdown in front of the team wow. um and he went away for about um two or three w- weeks and and got um mental health um doctors and medics and stuff and, and then he came back and we ended up winning the Spanish Cup that season wow. but you never know what's going no. on in someone's life I mean it was one of the most remarkable and actually quite moving things that i I'd, I'd ever seen amazing Unbelievable,
2: so isn't it? But that's yeah.
1: why you keep when we're doing our analysis or we're giving an opinion we we yeah. have to keep it to the football. A lot of my, I never go too big on an opinion. Personal stuff. Yeah, yeah. off the field. That's not really our business. We talk about what we see on on the pitch. And on that
0: point, we'll take a little breather.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: Welcome back to the Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. Um, We're looking back at uh, the weekend and we talked about the travails and problems of of Manchester United. Um, It's it's not much better at, at Chelsea, really, is it? Uh, Micah, um, Pochettino's come in, but you're looking at the Chelsea side. It's kind of a totally different uh, look to last season, but
1: they're still struggling to score goals. Yes, they are still struggling, but I actually think Chelsea are doing some good things, not in terms of results. I mean, we're in uh, uh, the entertainment and and results business. Of course, you want to play entertaining football and get results, but Chelsea are just lacking that that killer instinct up front. Jackson does so many good things and then it's almost like he's got no composure in in front of goal, which is worrying. I think, don't forget Chelsea have got loads of injuries as well. Yes, they have. But I, I see something brewing, but they have to sort it out sooner rather than later because what will happen is confidence will start to go and then you start to question your own performances. But... Raheem's free kick yesterday, if that goes in, it's a a different game. But there's good things about what Chelsea are doing. They're just not quite finishing them off. And that is a little bit worrying. Well, they've only, what, they've played five games this season. They've only beaten Luton,
2: Alan. Yeah. I mean, I I did that and watched that game yesterday. Um, I mean, Chelsea cannot have another disaster like they had last season. Um, and where, when you look at where where they are now, um, I mean, we everyone wants a bit of time. Everyone um, knows that you don't get time in, in football, particularly not particularly not at Chelsea. And I do I do like Pochettino, and I mean their their strategy from where they were to where they are now in terms of buying youngsters. It is always gonna take time. My worry is is that I hope he gets the time because I do believe he's a a very, very good coach and I I like him a lot. But they need to start getting results and results pretty quickly because when you spend that amount of money that Chelsea have spent, you have to see some rewards. When you see the players
1: that they have out, it does give you confidence. For Forna, uh, Lavia, Caicedo, Chukumeka, Baddy and Nkuku and Rhys James. At some point, they're going to be in good form. It might take a little bit longer than we all expect, but I wouldn't be worrying just because I know they've got good players coming back. The only thing that would worry me as a Chelsea fan was the forward position. Jackson's Definitely. good, but he's just, he's not clinical enough at this moment in time.
2: You, 100% Michael that would be my big worry is where are the goals going to come from Mudrick on the left is hot and cold does something brilliant and then you think how, why on earth has he made him that mistake or how has he not made that pass um, Jackson the same sometimes there's definitely ability in there but he just needs to he needs someone to guide him and tell him what positions to get into etc etc but and you mentioned the injuries 1-4 in Kunku. Um, So, yeah, I would worry where the goals are coming from all season for Chelsea.
0: Yeah, it seems like a constantly changing team. I want to switch the subject um, a little bit. I don't know whether you saw, um, and we've talked about Jordan Henderson and his move, but the interesting factor that um, in Jurgen Klopp in his press conference uh, last week, he was explaining why and how... Uh, Jordan Henderson left. The fact that he couldn't guarantee him first team football. Not that I've have you ever known any coach ever guarantee anyone first team football. Um, So, but it and but it was interesting from my perspective. Was he he said that Jordan Henderson's a wonderful professional. He's absolutely brilliant to have around when he's in the team, but when he's out out the team, he turns from (laughs) Jekyll to Hyde, or, or and vice versa, the other way
2: around. But what do you what do you think? Well, that's the problem managers have got with squads the size of the, they are nowadays. Is that, and I, I don't know. I mean, I we interviewed uh, Trossard after the game yesterday at Arsenal, and I asked him that question because you could tell that he he's not happy. Do you do you have to accept now as a footballer that in a in a a big team that you you're going to be rotated and you you might play on a Saturday, you're going to be rested the next weekend. And I said to him yesterday, have the attitudes, because I would have hated that. Hated it beyond belief to be left out of When well, you were
0: game. left out by Rude Hullet, weren't you? And, and you really hated it, didn't you?
2: Yeah, I hated it. And I you mean...
0: got him out of his job because of it, <laughs> didn't you?
2: <laughs> no, he got himself out of it. Um, but honestly I would have hated being rotated and and I totally get where Jürgen was coming from in terms of what Jordan is because we know Jordan is a great professional he gives everything on the football pitch but for him to say he's not great when he's not in the team that's the that's the issues that managers have got to handle now and that's they've got to to face players coming banging on the door saying I want to I want to play Um, yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't have liked it
1: What were you like when you were left out Micah. I was like a big
2: baby. I
1: was honest to God. I was just sulking all the time. You know what it was? Is just because when I, although I'm, I'm quite self deprecating and I always take the out of myself. I actually did work really hard in trading, mm. which is the norm for a footballer. It just, just, I just, I just enjoyed the outside activities a little bit too much. But when it was time to work, I, I, I worked, and I just felt like managers. Always changing the the story. Why I liked Mancini so much is because he was honest. He would come out and say, "You was effing rubbish today. You're not. You're not playing for two weeks." And he would accept it. You know, it's when when managers always go, "Well, you know, we want to play this way, and we just feel that this player is better at doing that." Stop the nonsense. Just be honest with me. Um, but in fairness, we had a player, Nigel De Jong. You don't know Nigel yep. De Jong. And um, that season when we, we won the league, it was mainly Gareth Barry and Yaya Torrey. And Nigel would start some games and come on. but And he was my next door neighbor. And I used to always ask him, how on God's earth do you always keep you cool like when, when you're not playing? And it's just something... There's a part of me that wants to go home and just you know, not cry, but just not be around football. But I know if I drop my standards, we won't do what we need to do. And that's when I started looking at things a little bit different. It's like, well, everyone's got a role to play, you know, and I wouldn't like to be on the bench, but I understand now if you're going to win a treble at the end of the season and you played, you've started 20 and you've come off the bench at 20, who? Case when you when you finish your career, you got the treble there. You've you've played your part. I made the mistake to think, oh, I'm not bigger than than being on the bench, but I'll go play, I'll go show. I'd, I I was shocking in Fiorentina, and I was even worse at Aston Villa. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you've so you've just got to be careful what you wish for at times. Look at Sterling; he was outstanding at Man City, and now he's gone to a team where. He's having to rebuild just because he wants to play every week when he made 50 appearances a season and played a vital role in what Man City did when he was there. I wasn't left
0: out too often in my career, but... When I, was, I it was, it was awful. I remember in the Cruyff season at Barcelona the last year there, when he, he came in, you're only allowed two foreign players back then. And I think when he came in, he wanted his own, which is totally understandable. But instead of coming up to me and saying, right, you know, we'll get you a move, but I want to bring my own man in. Um, he, he kind of messed me about, deliberately played me out of position. He played me right wing all season. And I just kind of got on with it. It was so much easier playing on the wing than up front in many ways, but, but also incredibly boring because I'd, you know, you don't get many goals. You don't get the opportunity because the way Cruyff played, he liked to make the pitch when you had the ball as big as possible. So you'd actually had to stand right on the line. And um, so very, very few goal-scoring opportunities. But he did keep playing, even though I was played out position the whole season. And then with about five games of the season left, we're playing Real Madrid at home um, in the Clasico and I'd had a good record in the Clasico. I'd scored in the three previous ones at the new Camp. I'd scored the hat-trick, which I obviously never mentioned. And <laughs> um, in the other two games that I played, I scored the winner in both. So, you know, they used to call me like the bogeyman of Real Madrid and stuff like this, but he left me out against Real Madrid and it, we were two points behind them or three points behind them. And we had to win that game to have a chance at the title. And he, he left me out and he put me on the bench and I was sitting on the bench. God, it's, it was like so awful sitting there watching. I was like, the, you know, really grumpy sat there and waited and after about half an hour it was still goalless and the crowd all started singing my name it was like Linuk Linuk." and it was like wow come on get me on get me on anyway half time comes still nil nil I think you're only allowed two subs back then and um, so we get into the second half 15 minutes the crowd start again it's still nil nil still doesn't bring me on sends a few players to warm up not me (laughs) Um, so they go out warm up come back and then then he makes one change and I'm thinking god there's one sub Substitution left, there's about 15. Crowd started again. And and he sent two players out to warm up again. And it still wasn't me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> God, put me on, put me on. And I, it's one time I snapped and I just turned to him in Spanish and I said, No tienes los cojones aponer mi ahora. So I said, You haven't got the bollocks to put me on now. <laughs> 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 and it's the only time I think I ever snapped it. Uh, 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 and he, he just completely blanked me. What and was the score? Ended up 0 0.
2: Oh no. ended up no no. See so. if you if you if you're a manager and you leave yeah. someone out and you end up going winning the game then it's like can't really say anything, can you? Because your decisions worked.
0: Well, that's it. But we, we did. Um, exactly. And it was, it was one of the things that in the end, I had to leave the football club. But um, the fans were always, were, were always great. The fans know their football. <laughs> 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 uh, send it internationally uh, for a moment. Just something that caught my eye uh, last week in terms of the qualification for, um, certainly in South America, where they have it quite difficult. They play against the same block of countries, obviously the whole of South America. To qualify for everything and they're yeah most of them are big countries and the smaller ones that are not that strong have difficult places to go and play where you have to play altitude in bolivia altitude in in peru and that's that's a really difficult thing to do so i think um, brazil went to um, lima and i think they scored in the 93rd minute and stuff but and argentina had uh, went to bolivia um it's 3600 meters above sea level they all had their own individual oxygen tanks to try and cope. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, football's hard enough playing, isn't it? Ninety minutes, but let alone <laughs> imagine, in, in, yeah. in altitude without preparation.
2: I would imagine pretty uncomfortable. I never, uh, I never played in, uh in, you in, no, in any of those countries. I mean, yeah. I played against them in, in here in England in World Cups, etc. But I have never you ever played at
0: altitude either? of you?
1: No, nope.
0: You must have gone. Yeah, in Mexico, right? So. Uh, Mexico City's high. It's not as high as um, um, Lima or La Paz. Um, it's, I think it's about 2,000 meters or something. That is still high. So, But we had the problem in the 86 World Cup that we started in Monterey, which was not particularly high, but it was incredibly hot. So we were playing in 42, 43 degrees centigrade, the three matches that we played, and they were all played in, in daytime. So we had the... it's ext- extraordinary preparation we went to Colorado which was at altitude but we knew we had to go from altitude because we had to prepare should we get through the group stage because then we'd probably go to Mexico City which we did but you've also got to play in this intense heat that's not altitude so we went we actually trained at altitude for weeks before the couple of weeks before the World Cup and then Bobby Robson to try to cope with the heat side of things we actually trained in steam rooms (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, Bobby Robson was in the steam room and he was doing like, you know, running on the spot, <laughs> <and laughs> press-ups, sit-ups, all these things in like these steam rooms to try and prepare what is like sweat glands and all this kind of stuff to start to deal with the heat while at the same time playing um, and training at altitude. And then we had to practice going down to, to a normal height, like, in a game and then come back to altitude so that we'd be so the preparation was so complicated um because of that but it was it was worthwhile because we we played the first three matches went through and then we went to uh, play in Mexico City And the, but the difference one was intense heat and then it was re- the altitude so mm-hmm. uh, like <laughs> you started getting through <laughs> okay. getting through the games but I want to finish with a moment of the week did you see Kyle Walker some new <laughs> contract signing it was um it was just like the scene from um, Wolf of Wall Street uh, it was brilliant with all the city players in there and he goes i'm not leaving <laughs> he did it well as well didn't he <laughs> I, I believe it <laughs> i'm not, <laughs> not leaving
1: <That's laughs>
0: that, brilliant, was, that was pretty good micah
1: uh, it was amazing Fantastic. because yeah. you remember when we spoke though briefly was was Kyle Walker going to stay? Kyle Walker is a difference between winning the Champions League and potentially not at times because of Mbappe and Vinicius. So when I'm looking at Kyle Walker potentially going to Bayern Munich and they've got Kane, it was like, it was only making them stronger. They had to get him nailed down and what a brilliant video it was amazing
2: how times have changed eh? can you imagine 25-30 years ago the club coming to you Gary and saying right, right we've got this script that you have to do this and you have to-
0: <laughs> yeah but Alan it wouldn't have worked because no we hadn't seen Wolf of Wall Street then oh, well, so yeah, no yeah, one kid. would know what you're doing <laughs> no it is weird now they do these big unveilings yeah, and clever clever good, little yeah. filming things really? I quite like them yeah, some of them are good, good some ones. of them are incredibly naff yeah.
1: Burnley got, got the best whoever's running the social media yeah. at Birdly some of their videos have been outstanding
0: maybe whoever is they should be put in charge of the team the way they're going <laughs> but, uh,
1: that's, that's early sick. days a bit harsh that, on,
0: on your mate Why? Vincent
1: <laughs> Vincent
0: will turn it round Vincent <laughs> will turn it round don't worry Gary. rest assured well that's all we've got time for uh, today we'll be back on uh, Wednesday answering uh, your questions don't forget if you want to get your question to us You can do so on social media at RestIsFootball or you can email us uh, at TheRestIsFootball at gmail.com. And a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe or follow the show wherever you get your podcast to make sure you're the first to get all of our episodes. Uh, We'll see you soon. Uh, Bye from me.
2: Bye from me. Goodbye from me.